Welcome to the Victory Devotional Podcast. I'd like to invite you to take the next few minutes to connect with God, hear His voice, and respond in worship and prayer. Here's today's message. Father, thank you that you do inhabit the praises of your people. Lord, we trust, Lord God, that as you have heard even our heart cry, our petitions, Lord, you said you listen to the cry of your people in this hour. Father, our desire is that uh, we would continue, Lord, to, to honor you, Lord, and to lift you up in our lives. Lord, you said you are close, Lord, even to those who are broken and downtrodden, Lord, and whatever it is that we're going through, our pain, our difficulties, yet you do comfort us in, our, in the midst of what we're going through. So, Lord, be pleased, Lord God, to speak to your people through your word and by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For our scripture reading this morning, uh, we will continue our uh, devotional for this week on the book of Isaiah. And as we know, Isaiah is uh, an Old Testament book that in many ways points to what will be fulfilled uh, in the New Testament through the person and the work of Christ. In fact, uh, some scholars uh, actually have referred to Isaiah as the fifth gospel because the gospel writers, the four of them, made extensive references to this particular prophetic book. And so, uh, in a way, uh, by combining our study of Isaiah and the four gospels, we get a fuller picture of what Jesus Christ came on earth to accomplish. Uh, and so, let me read from uh, Isaiah 53, verses 10 to 12. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Now, you know, it's worth, uh, I, we've been going through this uh, portions of the book of Isaiah in the last uh, few days, if you've been following this devotional series, but I'd like to encourage you to read in particular Isaiah 52, starting from verse 13 all the way to Isaiah 53, verse 12, which is what uh, the last portion that we read. And the reason uh, it's worth doing that is because it gives us a greater understanding of what uh, the Lord was speaking through the prophet in this text that we just read. Uh, the climax, if you will, of um, what Christ as the servant of God came to do. And uh, Isaiah speaks about this servant of the Lord. He didn't identify him uh, then, but in this particular prophecy, uh, the work of the servant of the Lord was given on the heels of the promise of the Lord that he would restore Israel back to the land. At this, during this time, the prophet was already warning that they were going to be exiled because of their unrepentant hearts and uh, you know, unfaithfulness to the covenant. But even way back then, the Lord was already giving them a sense of hope 
and this restoration to their land and this restoration to the Lord was going to be accomplished through the work of the servant. And this is an unusual way, as we will realize, that this was going to be accomplished. Uh, because as we have read, and uh, you, you know, you probably have read this already, but again, it's brought out here. This servant of the Lord, as his designation was, was going to go through uh, such great suffering and anguish and pain leading to death. And you wonder, uh, why was this necessary? Why did this servant have to go through all of this pain and anguish? When you're going to find out that he didn't really deserve any of this. And according to um, the verse, uh, the earlier verse, it says, my servant was going to ask wisely because of what he was going to do through his suffering. And you wonder, where is wisdom here? How can this be an act of wisdom uh, uh, for him to go through suffering? And I think if you've read scripture enough, you will realize that many times what may seem foolishness to man is actually the wisdom of God and vice versa. You know, God is a God of, uh, of great reversals, isn't it? What man thinks is wise is foolish to him, and what is foolish to man is wise to God. And it is through suffering that the purpose of God would be accomplished to redeem humanity from their sins, as we will find out. And so, um, again, if you read the rest of Isaiah, um, prior to this verse that we just read, you know, it, uh, Isaiah uh, 53 verses 4 to 6 speaks about the prophet, I mean, uh, this servant rather, bearing the griefs and sorrows of his people. And, uh, you know, we're going through sorrow and suffering, isn't it, today? You know, we're going through weakness. We're going through times of uh, disappointment and fear and anxiety. All of these things, we experience that. The prophet, however, explains that the suffering of the servant was uh, because of his bearing our sufferings. He was going to take upon himself. Aakuhin po niya kung ano yung paghihirap na dinadanas na atin, na, natin noon at even, hanggang, uh, even up to today. And so, um, this was uh, his suffering that he was going to go through was not so much a punishment for his own sins because there's no indication that the servant was, had sinned, but he was going to go through this suffering as a substitute, take note of that word, for the people whom God wanted to save. Now, that's the precursor to this text that we read earlier in verses 10 to 12. And so Isaiah 53 verse 10 to 12 sums up the suffering of the servant as being crushed as God willed and intended. And again, that, is, that, that, that uh, really makes us wonder, what do you mean, Lord? He intended for this servant to go through harsh treatment, even if he himself had not sinned. And, and this was going to be at the hand of the Lord. But what was amazing about this is that in doing so, this was his greatest act of grace. Because as I said earlier, he became the substitute for those who had transgressed God's laws. And there's a word here that uh, I want to highlight, and it is this. It, this work that the servant did in being our substitute for our sin was actually an act of intercession. 
And this word is a very, very important word because it sums up not just the motivation, but the, act, act, the acting out of what this servant did. That in bearing the sufferings and in taking the punishment for our sins, he was doing that in intercession. And what is intercession? Intercession essentially is someone who mediates between two opposing parties. And in this case, you know, we have offended God. Uh, we have sinned against God. We, have, we deserve His judgment, His punishment. And yet, by virtue of the mediation and the intercession of Christ, He stepped in the middle between us. You know, it's kind of like when Moses uh, and Aaron stepped in the middle of the plague that was hitting the Israelites in the desert. He stood between the living and the dead. Can you imagine that? You know, the plague was spreading and Moses and uh, Aaron stepped in the middle holding the, holding the censers and saying, Lord, please stop the plague. And you know what? That's what Jesus did. He stopped the judgment that you and I deserve by taking upon himself the punishment that we deserve. That was the greatest act of intercession. And so, um, and when, 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 when you do that work of intercession, guess what? There can be reconciliation. You know, without intercession, there can be no reconciling two opposing parties. But that was Jesus Christ's greatest act for us. He stood in the gap between us and God. And he bridged that gap of alienation and separation. And so what I want to just simply share with you as we um, bring this to a close is this. What were the implications? What was the consequence? What was God's response to this work of intercession that the servant of the Lord did? Because we know this was ultimately fulfilled. You know, Isaiah gave his prophecy 700 years prior to the life of Christ. But we know Jesus Christ fulfilled this when he was crucified at Calvary and took the punishment that you and I deserve upon himself. And because of this great sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ, God's response was this. The, and and the, 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 the outworking of this was three, three things. Number one is he, he will receive satisfaction in his own soul. It says in verse, um, in verse 11, out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. You know, it says in uh, Hebrews chapter 12, for the joy set before him, uh, the Lord Jesus endured the cross and he scorned its shame. You know, think about it. You know, dying on a cross was reserved for the vilest criminals of all. Uh, and it was the most excruciatingly painful form of execution. You know, uh, you know people who die uh, at the hands of the state, uh, you know, go through excruciating pain, but none compared to what people have got uh, when they're being crucified. And yet, as far as Christ was concerned, he said he scorned its shame, the humiliation, the deprivation, and all of these things. Why? Because he was, there was something before him, the joy. And you know what that joy was? Yes, it was you and me being reconciled to the Father. But, you know, even beyond that, and I've, I've meditated on this many times, and this might, uh, this might help you put things in perspective. God, Jesus' desire went beyond his love for you and me. And that was 
his love for his father in obeying him even unto death. Think about it at, in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, Lord, if it's possible, if this cup can be taken away from me, you nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. See, he loved his father to the uttermost, even more than he loved you and me, because his desire was to please his father. And guess what? Because the father loves you and me, Jesus did it in obedience to the father and his love for you and me. That's why there was going to be satisfaction in his soul, because he was going to see you and me reconciled to the Father. The second uh, um, result or, or, or consequence of his obedience unto death was that he will receive vindication from the Lord. See, the servant is assured that after his suffering, you know, not only will he be satisfied, but he will. He said, um, verse 10, it says, when his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. Now, we know Jesus didn't have any natural offspring. Because this offspring would be those who would become adopted into the family of God and receive the spirit of sonship through their faith in Christ. He will prolong his days. The will of the Lord will prosper in his days, in, in his hand. We see that, I believe, as a reference to the resurrection of Christ because we know Jesus didn't remain in the grave. After three days, he rose again from the dead. So Jesus was vindicated in his sacrificial death by being raised from the dead. And when someone's raised from the dead, death no longer has power over him. And you know what? And I know this is, we're looking to Sunday, isn't it? In a few days, the resurrection of Christ was not just for himself, but it was for you and me. That in the same way that he died the death we should have died, he also uh, rose again from the dead so that we through faith in him could also be raised from the dead. That was his vindication. And finally, the third uh, outworking and consequence of his obedience to God was his exaltation uh, to the right hand of the Father. It says this in Philippians that because of his obedience, even unto death, death on a cross, therefore the Lord exalted him to the highest place that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Think about the depths of humiliation that our Lord Jesus Christ went through you know from being god he didn't consider equality with god as something to be grasped but he humbled himself and made himself like you and me uh, becoming a servant in human form and not only did he become that he humbled himself and became obedient even to death and that of death on a cross so the exaltation of god the depth of his humiliation is the highest is the height of his exaltation and let me tell you, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. And we do have the privilege of doing so willingly, voluntarily, because one day, even those who don't acknowledge Christ will one day acknowledge, uh, not of their own will, but by the realization that truly Jesus Christ is Lord. So let's not wait for that day when we will have to be bound down. Let's willingly bow our knee and worship him because of his great sacrifice for you and me through his death on the cross. Let me just pray for you as we end our time together. Father in heaven, Lord, not only do we remember with gratitude and Lord awe at your great glory that you manifested when you hung on that cross, Lord Jesus. Lord, even as the serpent was lifted up, as Moses said, so shall you be lifted up. And Lord, if you said 
You said in John that if your name, if, if you be lifted up, Lord, you will draw all men to yourself. Lord, when we ponder and reflect and see with our mind's eye you hanging on that cross, there's no other thing that we can do but bow down and be drawn to your great sacrifice and your great love and mercy by taking our punishment upon yourself. So Lord, I pray, Father, that we would be uh, drawn to you in a new way, that we would surrender afresh our lives to you because we've been bought with a price and that price was your precious blood. Bless your people today, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. There's nothing that my heart wants more than you. You are all I'm after. There's nothing that I'm holding back from you. You are all I'm after. There's nothing that my heart wants more than you. You are all I'm after. There's nothing that I'm holding back from you. You are all I'm after. Lord, we're desperate for you. There's nothing that my heart wants more than you. Oh, God. Oh, Lord, you are all I'm after, Lord. Oh, there's nothing that good you are good always you are good oh god always you are good always you are good oh Well, I trust that uh, you will use the remainder of this day to, yes, to rest from your labors, uh, to reflect, to spend time with your families, and to pray and intercede and meditate upon God's Word. May God's presence be with you throughout this day. God bless you. You've been listening to the Victory Devotional Podcast. Thanks for joining us. We hope that this will help you build a habit of hearing from God every day. If you'd like more messages like these, you can follow us on Spotify or on our Apple podcast. And if you'd like to watch these messages, you can watch them every weekday morning on our Victory PH Facebook page.